I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I'm gonna take my horse through the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I got the horses in the back. Horse stock is attached. That is mad at black. Got the boosters black to match. Riding on a horse. What's going on, everybody? Happy Hump Day, and welcome in to a very special edition of Wild Sports Talk here on the MI6 Sports Network. I'm Isaiah Leong, and I'm joining you tonight from the San Francisco Bay Area. I got my guy, Chris Mabry, down below joining me along for the ride tonight from the Lone Star State. And also tonight, we are very delighted to be joined by a very special guest. We have Colin Deaver, who is a sports reporter for KTSM, which is a news channel down in New Mexico, joining us at tonight to talk about his career working in the sports media industry is working in uh, journalism and also to talk about the New Mexico State Aggies and preview the upcoming season for the Aggies. Colin, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, man. Uh, always appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk some ball, talk some uh, talk some journalism and, and then do everything, man. So I really appreciate appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, no problem. Glad to have you all, my man. Uh, Chris, how are you doing tonight? Doing good. Doing good. How's everybody doing? Doing good. Uh, before we get into tonight's program, we just want to throw out a couple of reminders to the fans out there. Uh, if you guys haven't yet, please subscribe to our MI6 Sports Network YouTube channel. Um, I think right now we're at 45 subscribers. We're trying to grow that YouTube channel. So if you guys could subscribe, we would really appreciate it. The link to the YouTube channel would be will be down in the comments section, whether you're watching it on Facebook, YouTube, or on Periscope. And also, uh, please go check out, uh, after the stream, go check out our MI6 Sports Network anchor account as we are closing in on over 5,000 anchor listens. I believe right now we're only 225 anchor listens away from that golden mark. So uh, please go check that out. We would really, really appreciate it. But going into tonight's program, guys, um, Colin, let's start with, you know, the sports media segment and talk about your career working in journalism and working in sports media. Uh, my first question I want to ask you is what made you decide that you wanted to pursue a career in sports media and also journalism? Uh, yeah, well, I always grew up um, playing sports. I was a, I was a basketball player in high school. Uh, I ran track in middle school. I was a soccer player until about eighth grade. So sports was always kind of a, you know, part of my life as a kid. Um, then when I realized that I, you know, I probably wasn't going to make the NBA, I wasn't going to play for uh, Chelsea or any of that. I kind of, you know, I was trying to find some different career paths. Uh, this is my freshman year of high school. Um, and I've always been a pretty, uh, I've always enjoyed writing. I've always been a pretty good writer. And my English teacher um, was the advisor for the student newspaper at my high school. So she said, well, why don't you come, you know, write about sports? Uh, you know, it was basketball season. I was still playing basketball um, in high school. So, you know, I was able to, you know, write some stories about my team and, other things like that. And just kind of, that kind of piqued the interest. Um, I, you know, I did student journalism 
Uh, in high school, I was the sports editor for the student newspaper for a couple of years. Then when I got to college at the University of Oregon, um, I kind of more transitioned into the broadcast area. Uh, I was um, I was doing play-by-play radio for Oregon softball, volleyball, um, some football games. I also did high school play-by-play for football and basketball uh, teams in the Eugene, Oregon area. Um, and that was kind of my focus for a while. And then my senior year, I, I, or the summer, I guess, before my senior year, I interned at a TV station in Eugene, Oregon. And just kind of, it was, that was really the first time I'd thought about being um, on television. And it, um, I liked it and, you know, I enjoyed it. And I just kind of continued on that path. And I'd say I graduated college in 2013. So eight years later, here we are. I'm in a uh, station in El Paso, Texas, covering UTEP, New Mexico State, and, uh, and, and all of those. It's been a, been a long journey. I've kind of been all over the place. Um, growing, up, growing up in Colorado, going to school in Oregon. Uh, my first job out of college was in Oklahoma. Um, from there, I covered Texas A&M and College Station and then to El Paso. So been a been a winding road for sure, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. So That sounds cool. So uh, what would you say is your most uh, proudest achievement thus far that you, in your career? Uh, proudest achievement? Um I don't know. That's a, that's a really good question. Actually. Um, I'm a, I really love telling, uh, feature stories. Um, and, um, there's just, you know, there's so many, di- there's so many different, different aspects of our job these days. As, as, as you guys know, I mean, you know, you can host podcasts and radio and television. A lot of people have to do all, all of that, but I love telling feature stories. That'd be, that's probably my favorite part of my job. Um, earlier this year, um, got the chance to tell some fun, really fun feature stories. I actually went out to the Dallas area uh, following a local basketball prospect that we have here that's ranked in the top 25 nationally as a basketball recruit just to kind of see how he how things are for him in AAU hoops. Um, got to do a fun, really fun feature story with him on that. Um, Aaron Jones, the Green Bay Packers running back, is from El Paso. So he uh, uh, got, got to do some some really fun feature stories with him. And then – you know, just you know, everyone loves everyone loves to break news and kind of be like a like a Adrian Wojnarowski. I would not. I'm nowhere close to that level. But you know, breaking the rush of breaking news and um, and and stuff like that is is definitely entertaining. So yeah, that that seems kind of hard to do doing the breaking news. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's just uh, developing you know, developing the sources and and doing that. It, it can be hard. It's just it's it's getting people to trust you is the thing. And and then keeping that credibility. So Woj has a lot more of it than I do. So don't tell your viewers I'm comparing myself to Woj. <laughs> for for those that want to get into journalism, what advice would you give young aspiring people that are watching this and wanting to do journalism? Just grind. Do everything you can. Um, you guys are uh, you know people in high school and or just starting college or in such an interesting spot because like we're how you guys are hosting your own show right now. If like that just wasn't, and I'm not that, I mean, I'm not, I'm not old. I'm only 30 years old, but this just wasn't something that was available when I was in school, in high school and in college. I mean, podcasts were just kind of becoming a thing when I graduated college. So like there was just, you know, kind of different limit. I don't know if limited is the right word, but they were not. No, I will say that there were less opportunities for like just, pe- you know, people who wanted to get in. Like if there was only four or five spots for a newspaper, there's, you know, three or four spots for a 
radio stations, three or four spots for TV. So, but the the great thing about technology and social media now is that like you guys wanted to you guys want to host a show. Well, you're hosting a show, and that's great. Like that's fantastic. Keep doing that. That is to me the most important thing is just getting you know getting reps, getting on air reps, getting experience doing it, and there's just there's just no substitute for it. So just get as many reps as possible, host as many shows as possible, reach out to as many people as possible, and just grind. When you have when you get an opportunity, just 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 seize it and work hard work hard with it. So, but um, like I said, like the there's just no substitute for getting you know weekly reps like you guys are right now of just of hosting a show. That's huge. Yeah, Colin, I think that's, you know, excellent advice. I mean, and I can relate to it because my first couple of shows that I did here for the MI6 Sports Network, it was like awful, man. Like I stuttered so much. I repeated myself a lot. And, uh, you know, even back, I think a couple months ago, uh, I was never used to hosting a show or being the main uh, moderator host on the program. And, you know, my uh, one of our other co-hosts, uh, Callan McClurg, uh, he had to step away because he had to go for work and stuff like that. So um, he had to step away and we had an opening and for the show to continue going on, uh, we had to have someone come in to you know, to host the program. And I stepped in because I want the show to keep going on and on. I loved doing this stuff. I loved having fun with it. And my, my first couple of shows, it was like bad. And I was thinking in my mind, like, oh my gosh, man, maybe I'm not fit for this. Maybe I'm not good enough for this. And maybe I should do something else. But then, like you said, you know, as you keep getting more reps and more reps, you know, you get better and better and better every time. Yeah, no, and that's, and that's great, man. It's a, that's great that you said that because every like everybody sucks when they start if you ask like go i'm sure it's somewhere go find jim nance's first radio hit wherever it was uh he played golf at the university of houston so go to the university of houston archives find his first radio hit i bet it was terrible because everybody like nobody's good when we start it's not so and like you said like you you've gotten so much better even from that first show so imagine where you're going to be a year from now two years from now so that's just that's another thing to remember is like you know don't worry so much about where you are when you start or where you are two years in just think about the future um and just take it i mean it's so cliche to say but just take it day by day and just focus on getting you know improving at, at your craft every single day that's what i try to do yeah, most definitely, man. But Colin, going into our uh, final question for this sports media segment before we jump and talk about, you know, the New Mexico State Aggies and college football, uh, I stumbled on a video from back in 2018. I think you know where I'm going with this, uh, where uh, current 76ers guard Danny Green was in uh, your guys' studio that day to, to, I believe, talk about his uh, basketball camp. Colin, am I correct on saying that? Yeah, he uh, when he was playing for the San Antonio Spurs, he would host basketball camps all over Texas, and one of the one of the cities he would always come to was El Paso. So it was really it was really cool that he would come here. Um, fantastic guy. So yeah, so I stumbled into that video yesterday when I was doing my research and, and getting ready for this show, and I saw you know you challenged him in a game of pig in the studio uh, i believe you eventually lost that game but it was a very very close game and it was a very good game to watch uh in that studio with you going up against uh danny green uh give us you know that backstory of that 
big game with uh, Danny Green. And how were you feeling like during that game? Were you feeling like nervous that, you know, everybody's going to be watching this and I'm challenging an NBA player in Danny Green? Uh, I mean, first of all, I'm impressed you found that clip. Uh, <laughs> I had forgotten about that. Um, the, yeah, so like I said, he would come, he comes to El Paso, he goes to the Rio Grande Valley, he goes, or he would, I don't think he hasn't in the last couple of years since he got traded, but, um, yeah, he would always come down here and first of all, like kudos to him for doing that. Like NBA, like he does not have to do that. He does not have to travel. Like El Paso, we're, we are 10 hours from Houston. We're eight hours from Dallas. We're eight hours from San Antonio. We're six hours wow. from Phoenix. Like we are out here and it's a big city out here, but we are out here. And so for him to come here and, and do that, I have, I will always like root for him and respect him for that because, because he was, that's awesome. And he was such a great guy. Um, the horse game we had, as you saw in the video, we had like that little nerf hoop in our sports office, which we still do. Uh, I still shoot on it all the time. Um, I was just like, you know, we had we we were gonna have him on, in the studio for a live interview at some point in the show. He got there a little early, and we were just messing around. And I was like, hey man, let's let's play some horse, let's play some pig. And we had a videographer in there. Um, I was like, let's let's film it. We'll, I'll, I'll put it together. I'll put it on. I'll put it on TV. And he was like, he was down. I mean, those guys are those guys are competitors. Like no matter what it is, he was immediately just let's do this. And he had his guys in there, like he had his own videographer, all of it is like his manager. So it was super cool, like hyped, like hyped up setting. And then like, I didn't get nervous or anything. I think I, did I make my first shot? I think I made the first shot. And yeah, I then, think you did. I think you and did. And then he missed. And then, so he was like, he was down. And then like, you could tell he was like, he switched. He was like, uh, I'm, okay, it's time to, it's time to go to work. I think we were tied throughout. Um, then he made this, like he made this shot from the baseline that was like, it was just like a weird angle. And I actually almost made it too, but no, that was, um, you were talking about like highlights of career. Like that's definitely, uh, I, that, I will say that was, that was a lot of fun. That was fun to do that. Uh, and the, again, the fact that he was just immediately like, yeah, let's do it. That'd be great. So, um, that, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, he, what did he, I think he beat me. I had PIG and he had PI, so it was it was close. I almost got him. Uh, hey, you you could say now that uh, I was close to beating an NBA player. Yeah, I should put that in my Twitter bio. Get I close guess. to beating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, going into our segment now, where we're going to talk about the New Mexico State Aggies and college football. Uh, Colin, let's start at the top and with the main guy in charge, and that is head coach Doug Martin. You know, Coach Martin is 23-64 and 64 in eight seasons at the helm in Las Cruces. Uh, he has, however, done something that very few New Mexico State coaches has done in his tenure, and that is lead the Aggies to a winning season and also lead them to a bowl game and also win that bowl game with the New Mexico State Aggies. Um, however, he is on the last year of his contract, and currently um, I believe there have been no – contract extension talks as of right now that we know of. So what are you hearing in regards to uh, head coach Doug Martin's uh, status moving forward with the Aggies? And do you believe that this could indeed be his final season coaching the team? Uh, it very well could be. Yeah. I, to, to, to put it bluntly, I will. So you're right. The, there's, there is no contract extension currently on the table for him from uh, director of athletics, Mario Mocha. Um, 
So I know it is something, um, I will say this for Doug Martin, um, that job, that New Mexico State job is the hard, it's not close. It is the hardest job in Division One college football is New Mexico State. The money is nowhere near where it is other places, even UTEP. The money is nowhere near, the facilities are nowhere near, and it's just, it's really, really, really hard to win there. As you, as you were rattling off the, the, the figures, they, he led them to a bowl game at the Arizona Bowl. Uh, they won the Arizona Bowl in 2017. It was the first time they'd won a bowl game in 57 years. To just give you an idea of how difficult – first time they – not even just won. First time they'd been to a bowl in 57 years. I mean, just to give you an idea of how difficult it is to win there. So I certainly have sympathy for Doug Martin and anybody who is a football coach at New Mexico State because it is not easy. Um, to your point, though, there is there is no contract extension currently on the table. I know that um, they have talked about it, but just nothing nothing has happened. Doug also went to told me a couple weeks ago he went to um, NMSU administration over the summer and asked for them to give him and his coaching staff the 2020 season back on their contract um, because obviously the Aggies did not play in 2020. They played a two game spring season in 2021. So in his mind, and I, don't, I generally don't argue with the logic for Doug there for, for wanting to ask for that year back. UConn effectively did, did the same for their coaching staff. But the, again, the money is at New Mexico State is just completely different from what it is at UConn and other places. Um, and they still got paid. Regard, you know, regardless of the fact that the season didn't get played, Martin and the whole coaching staff got paid. So, you know, I get it. Uh, you know, obviously I understand, you know, wanting the year back, but they got paid for the contract. So anyways, this is a long way of saying, I, I do think it, there is a chance this is his last year. Um, there is a clause in his contract currently that states if they win six, six or six games minimum or more, his contract automatically rolls over into the next year. Um, so that's one way for him to get a contract extension, you know, on merit alone for another year, just, Hey, when really simple on paper, go win six games and you get a contract extension. Um, just, I, I'm not saying that they can't do it. I do think, I think it's going to be tough just how their, their schedule play um, lays out as an FBS independent. They do have to play a very difficult schedule. You know, we could, we, they could come out and, and be, and, and be awesome. But we just, there are so many unknowns around this team right now because they've only played two real, you know, football games against FCS teams since 2019. They're just behind, they're behind a lot of teams in college football. So I think it's going to be um, difficult to do that, but certainly a non-zero chance. Doug is a good coach. They have some good players. So uh, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say, yes, 100%. He's, he is done um, at New Mexico state. I just think that there's, you know, we're going to have to see how the, how the year plays out. Uh, Chris, before you go, I got something to add on to what Colin said, and that is, you know, Colin, what is uh, like the minimum you think that Doug Martin and his staff has to do this season, like win a certain amount of games or see like a certain amount of progress from the players for him to like get a contract extension from uh, the New Mexico State uh, Athletic Administration? Um, honestly, I think it will be that those six wins that um, that is in the contract. I could see a scenario, you know, if you're five and seven, four and eight, you know, you go into the last game of the season at five and six and lose, you know, lose by, you know, a hail, you know, by a touchdown, not even a hail Mary, lose by, you know, lose by a touchdown. 
you know, if they're right there, then it's obviously a lot easier to say, you know, we made a lot of progress this year. We're going to have a lot of guys coming back. Um, so I think, I think it would take like a five and seven. If, if they don't get this to six wins, I think it would take a four and eight, a five and seven um, for him to get it, get an extension. And even then that might be it, not be enough. So. Chris, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So I think you mentioned it earlier, but what are some of the reasons that you believe New Mexico State has have a lack has have excuse me, have had a lack of success? Yeah, I think a lot of the reasons I said. I mean, it's just it's a really tough place to recruit. It always has been. Um, you look at the history of the program since 1960. I think they have. I think it's either five seasons or six seasons where they have where they've won five or more games in a year. Wow. Um, I mean, it's just historically, it's just a really, really hard place to win. Um, and it's out there. I mean, it's out there. In the, I mean, it's there's no there's no airport in Las Cruces where you can fly out of. You got to drive to drive 35, 45 minutes to El Paso to fly out of Las Cruces. Um, again, the like the and then just money in the state, like across the state of New Mexico, this is not just athletics. The state of New Mexico as a whole is a fairly poor state. And so there's just not money as, as much money for higher um, education and especially athletics at higher in higher education um, in New Mexico. And that's UNM, but especially New Mexico state. So they're constantly up against the eight ball. Mario Mocha, their athletic director has to schedule two or three by games for football every single year, which means like games against Kentucky, games against Alabama. Those those are the two what I would call buy games this year, which is literally they're sending them to lose by 50 points <laughs> so that they can make they'll get like a, I think it's a two point seven million dollar check from Alabama that Alabama just gives them this for hey thanks for thanks for the win uh, thanks for thanks for playing here's here's your two point seven million dollars and your loss. So um, for reasons like that, it's just a really difficult place to win. The history obviously isn't there. They've only been to the one bowl game in 57 years. That was in 2017 when they won the Arizona Bowl. Um, and I'm not going to say not to say that you know that UTEP has been much better. The Miners haven't won a bowl game since the late 60s either. They've never won a bowl game that wasn't the Sun Bowl, which is obviously played in their home stadium. So not to sit here and say that UTEP or you or even UNM, the other NMSU rival, has been that much better historically, but. And New Mexico State is just it's a tough place to win. It really is um, for, for so many reasons uh, that I that I can't even can't even list because there's there's a lot of them. But uh, yeah, that was, those would be the one the main ones that I would hit. All right, uh, Colin, going to you know the 2021 New Mexico State Aggies. Right now, there is a open competition to determine who takes snaps under center for the Aggies. And with the opener just days away, uh, Coach Doug Martin he still hasn't named a starting quarterback yet. Um, and right now, I believe the comp the open competition is going on between Wetson Egit, if I'm not, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, and. Jonah Johnson for the starting quarterback position. Uh, what are you hearing on who's leading that competition right now? And who do you think will be the starter come Saturday night? Uh, yeah, so Doug Martin, even in his press conference yesterday, didn't reveal who was going to be the starter. Um, it sounds like both of them are going to play this year. And he's, I mean, 
COVID-19 obviously still still an issue globally. Um, so he's even said, you know, if we'll need both those guys because if, you know, one of them gets sick or one of or contact tracing, any of the, you know, any of that, um, you know, they, they're going to need both those guys. I think both of them are capable players. They showed that in the spring, um, Jonah Johnson and Weston Egypt. Jo- um, Jonah got the bulk of the snaps, obviously, because Weston um, was injured against Dixie State. But in the short time that Weston got to play, like he looked pretty good. So um, I think both of them are capable, and and it's good. That's a good feeling to have, I think, for a football coach, um, for Doug Martin to, to kind of have that coming into a season with so many question marks. Um, it's good to have two guys that you do trust. Um, that said, I I would be surprised if Jonah Johnson is not the first quarterback that we see run out there um, against UTEP. Um, he um, has looked pretty good to fall getting. Not that Weston hasn't looked good, but Jonah has um, has looked pretty has has looked good. He's take, been taking care of the ball and, and scrimmages. So and and he's the older guy. Um, and Doug Martin is is also he's big on stuff like that on on um, on giving the older player kind of the opportunity first. Um, not in every case, but in a lot of cases. So I would be surprised if Jonah Johnson um, isn't the first guy we see out there against against UTEP on on Saturday. Does that mean he plays every snap? No, I I, I, I don't necessarily believe that either. I think you could I think you could definitely see both guys play on Saturday, and I absolutely believe you see uh, both Jonah and Weston play at separate you know at different times um, in you know throughout the 2021 season. Colin, I think we have a lot of, you know, viewers that are watching the show right now that aren't really familiar with uh, the New Mexico State Aggies football program. So I don't think they might be familiar with, you know, the two quarterbacks that New Mexico State has, uh, Wetson Egan and Jonah Johnson. Uh, give the like give the viewers out there like a small scouting report on what, you know, on Jonah Johnson and Wetson Egan. Like what do these quarterbacks bring to the table? Yeah, um, I would say Jonah's a little bit more um, versatile in the run game um, than Weston. Not that Weston's unathletic, but Jonah definitely. I mean, he had three rushing touchdowns um, in the two spring games um, that they played against Tarleton and, and uh, Dixie State. So he's definitely a little bit more mobile, but they uh, they both have really strong arms um and have commanded the team i mean they they both command the team well they're both well-respected guys on the roster um they both have been there especially johnson johnson's been on campus since like february or january of 2020 um and has not even really gotten to play because of covid uh and they didn't play last year um and so he i mean he's putting his time there weston as a redshirt freshman is, is definitely putting his time um, so I, th- I think, but, you know, both of them are respected players. Um, I will say, I forgot to note this in the last, uh, the last one, um, there is a, on depth charts, a lot of times they'll list and like, if they don't want to name a starter, they'll say Jonah Johnson or Weston Egypt is like first in the depth chart. And that's how the Aggies have it listed. So I think that, you know, they're comfortable with, with both guys, you know, both of them can run the offense. It's, it is, um, it, it used to be a full-on air raid. It's gone a little bit more um, multiple and run-heavy in the last couple of years, and especially this year with Omari Samuels at running back, um, who is a Michigan transfer. I think they're going to run the ball a bit more. Um, but yeah, both those. I, I think both those guys have the tools to to command the offense for sure. 
Um, besides the quarterback position, uh, what are some positions of strength and weaknesses on this Aggie team? You know, Colin, I think personally it's going to be the running back because you mentioned that uh, transfer from Michigan. I really like him a lot. I think that he's going to have a really, really big year for the New Mexico State Aggies. But what are some uh, positions of strength and weaknesses that you think uh, are in this Aggie football team? Uh, yeah, def- as, we, as we talked about, Amari Samuels, the running back from Michigan, I mean, he's – uh, they're going to, I mean, if they're, if they're going to win six games, he is going to need to have a big year. Um, he has also not played football in three years uh, because he was at Michigan and then he transferred and then had to sit out 2019 because he transferred and then they didn't play in 2020. And then they held him out of the 2021 two spring games because they didn't want to get him hurt. So he has not played football in three years. Um, that is a long time to be off the field. However, having said that he looks fantastic in fall camp um, as completely, you know, it, his body looks great. Um, he looks quick. He look, looks agile, looks fast. So I think he could have uh, a good year for them. Offensive, the offensive line, definitely offensively, um, I think will be their strength. Um, Sage Dockstader, the left tackle, uh, was he turned down a contract from the Canadian Football League in the offseason. Um, he, he's a guy that will probably be in some NFL training camps next year. And then the center, um, Eli Johnson, is a graduate transfer from Ole Miss, started for four years at Ole Miss. So um, that, that would certainly be a strength. And then, you, obviously, you throw in Samuels running back there. I mean, that's that could be pretty dynamic um, if they're able to, you know, protect the protect the quarterback. Um, defensively, there's some I, – I would have some 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 question marks there. Um, I, you know, I think the uh, – it's just, it's just been kind of an overhaul. Um, they lost uh, – Rashi Hodge uh, transfer to Arizona, and I'm blanking on the guy's name um, that transferred to Texas. Um, there's a there's two linebackers that transferred Rashi Hodge to Arizona, and what I'm blanking on the guy's name transferred to Texas, but they lost two starting linebackers um, in the you know in the off season. So that that that's going to be difficult, you know, to replace two guys that went to Power Five schools. They did bring a guy uh, in from Eastern Washington, Chris Ojo, who is going to be playing strong side linebacker. Um, he was on the Eastern Washington team a couple years ago that played for the national championship, had over a hundred tackles for them. It's at the FCS level, but that's a, you know, that's, that's a good, that's a good football team at the FCS level. And then there's a couple of guys um, on the defensive line who are actually from El Paso, Lama Levea and Ivan Escobar. Um, heard nothing but good things about them in, in training camp. So um, I think it's kind of going to be wait and see. Obviously the defense wasn't great. Um by you know by their own admission they weren't great in the uh in the uh, spring season playing two fcs teams and giving up i think you know over 30 points both games but they think they shorted up middle linebacker trevor brohard's back he's a he's a kid from new mexico i think he could have a big year as well devlin kirkland um in the secondary uh has, has been around for a while so i think you know there's there's pieces in place it's just a matter of okay you know, what schematic changes have they made and, you know, how different will they look from the spring when, you know, they were not, they were not a very strong defensive team, but again, that, that um, it's not even, I'm going to say the word excuse, but I don't think it's an excuse. I think it's very valid. You know, they hadn't played football really um, in a year and a half in the spring. So I don't totally think that spring season is going to be indicative of everything we're going to see from the New Mexico state defense, but obviously, you know, they're going to have to be much improved from the spring if, if this team's going to win some games. So, I think you already mentioned it earlier, but who are some of the other players that uh, fans should get should be get, uh, excited about? Yeah, I think uh, 
wide receiver Donovan Jacinto um, has a chance to be really good. He's a transfer from Missouri, um, and he you know he he was a, a pretty big part of a couple of uh, of, of big teams there uh, or of pretty good teams there at, at Missouri. Cut a t- couple couple of touchdowns a couple seasons ago for them um, for entering the transfer portal in 2020. So I think he could have a big year. Um, Terrell Warner was their leading receiver in the spring. Um, a couple of games, so they'll need him to have a big year as well. So I, I would be, I would be excited about those guys. Um, and then again, um, I'll, I'll mention his name again: Eli Johnson, the the center, the transfer from Ole Miss. He's a he's a hilarious guy in press conferences. He's fun to be around. Uh, at one point, he said that Mississippi Mexican food is better than New Mexican Mexican food, <laughs> which is not true, but. He's a you know he's a fun guy to be around. He knows what he's doing. They call him Grandpa because he's old and been around college football so long. So I would for fans, uh, I would I would definitely be uh, excited about those guys for sure. Uh, Colin, you mentioned the defense when you were talking about you know the positions of strengths and weaknesses on this football team, and we mentioned how the defense wasn't good in the spring season, giving up like a total, like giving up an average of 30 plus points per game and also giving up, I believe 480 yards per game uh, to the opposing offenses. Um, To the fans that are watching this show right now, uh, what are some factors that have you and should have the fans of New Mexico State a bit optimistic that the Aggies' defense will turn it around? Uh, You know, I think just, um, you know, experience coming back. I mean, like I said, there was, you know, they did – there we go, Devin Richardson. That's the guy that transferred to Texas. I knew it was going to come to me. you know, they did obviously lose those guys, but they do have some experience coming back. Um, they all remember that how that felt in the spring, too. Uh, I, don't, I don't think you can um, I don't think you can, you know, for, really forget forget that. I mean, to kind of get smacked around like that, like, you know, by two FCS teams. I would think that that would sit with you for the next few months. And the, to tell you the truth, the improvements they made um, defensively and offensively from that first game in the spring to the second game. I mean, they looked a lot better in that second game than they did in the first game. And I think you're going to see a continuation of that. I mean, it's, again, they didn't get to play. They played two games after practicing, you know, for about a month. Um, you know, they were not they were not allowed to practice because of New Mexico, state of New Mexico COVID restrictions. They did not get to practice for almost uh, you know, like a full calendar year. I mean, so they're just, they're just, they were just so behind everybody and it wasn't their, it's not their fault. That, that portion of this cannot be ruled out because it's not their fault that they're in this, that they were in this situation that said um, it's, it's now on them now that things are, you know, back to normal from, you know, from in terms of getting to practice that from a football standpoint, things are back to normal for them. Now it's on them to make up the the ground that they gave up. Um, And, you know, Will that happen this year? Aggies fans obviously certainly hope so, but um, I think that I think it could be, a, you know, maybe another season before they're kind of back on a level playing field just because, you know, that's that was a long time to be out. So um, I know I keep harping on that, but I, it really is. I mean, it can't be understated, the fact that they missed that. So um, I think that to kind of get to your point, like defense, like they're going to need to um, really improve in all facets. I mean, when you're giving up, 35 points, you know, almost 500 yards of offense to, to FCS teams. There's very few things that you're doing correctly. But um, I think, you know, forcing turnovers, that's all obviously always uh, huge for football teams. Um, if you can get some turnovers, 
get the ball back to your offense, get the, get off the field, get some rest, uh, especially in a rivalry game like they're going to play against UTEP. So that could be huge for them on Saturday, um, you know, and if you get off to a good start, and you know, that can kind of snowball, um, give you some confidence moving forward. So You mentioned UTEP starting off the beginning of the season, uh, and that's only just a few days away. Give us get, Give the viewers a preview of the game and what are some keys to victory for both New Mexico State and UTEP? Uh, man, so I think you were, UTEP right now uh, is a somewhere between a nine-point and ten-point favorite on the road. Uh, UTEP has not been favored. and We've been talking about NMSU being bad. U- UTEP has been arguably the worst Power 5 team, or not Power 5, um, FBS team in the last five, six years. Um, they were winless in 2017. They won a game in each. They won one game in 18, one game in 19, and then they were actually much improved last year. Um, so the fact that they're a nine or ten point favorite says a lot about where UTEP head coach Dana Dimmel has gotten the program since he took over. Again, I think it also says a lot about New Mexico State and the fact that they only got to play those two games in the spring, didn't get to play last year. So I think I think it's twofold there. Um, I think that it's going to be an entertaining game. Um, rarely have these two teams in recent years um, not played close and good games. The one exception being 2017, which the Aggies won, I think, 45 to 14 or 41 to 14. Um, so I'm expecting a close game. I think the, the spread of nine to 10 points is probably a little bit too high. Um, it's a cliche of, you know, it's a rivalry game. You never know what's going to happen. Um, it's the season opener, it's one of five FBS games being played on Saturday. There's going to probably be a lot of people watching that wouldn't normally be watching because it's a zero week game. People are starved for football. So it's, you know, it's, it's going to be very interesting um, to see. And I think it's going to be a litmus test for how both these teams will do for the rest of the year. UTEP comes out um, with, which UTEP has a lot of talent on both and a lot of experience back on both sides of the football. They bring back a starting quarterback, starting running back, their top two wide receivers, bring back three of their starting offensive linemen. They bring back three of their uh, defensive linemen who were stars last year. They bring back all these guys. And I mean, UTEP on paper is as good as they've been in a long time. So if UTEP comes out and kind of exerts their will as a team with, you know, talent and experience, um, I wouldn't be surprised. I also wouldn't be surprised if the Aggies playing at home, you know, fired up playing in front of a home crowd for the first time in two years. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens either. Um, I think the key to the game is going to be, on the offensive for the offensive line of New Mexico State against the defensive line for UTEP because UTEP has some legit pros on the def- defensive line. Praise Amahule was second in Conference USA in sacks last year with seven. He was third in passes defended as a defensive lineman. He ju- he just has long arms. He gets his he gets his hand up there and knock down nine passes. So to me, that's that's the key to the game. If if New Mexico State's offensive line can hold off UTEP's defensive line, give you know, new quarterbacks, some, some time to do their thing, give Omari Samuels, um, you know, lanes to run, run the football, then yeah, I think New Mexico State has a good chance. But if UTEP's able to do whatever they want um, along the defensive line, it would be a very, very long night for, for the Aggies. What would, you, what would your uh, prediction be for this game? As far as like a winner? Winner or score? What, what oh, man. We're putting um, you on the hot seat there, Colin. Dang, that's tough. You know, I think uh, scores scores tough. Um, these games have always been shootouts. Uh, recently, you know, recently been shootouts. The last the last game, I believe, the final score was 
um, was it 4435 New Mexico State? Wow. Can't it can't be can't be real. Uh, I have to mention that too. Aggies again have won the last three, 17, 18, and 19. The last time UTEP won was 2016. The last time they won um, at Aggie Memorial was in 2015. So it's been a while since the Miners have won here. So that, that should give Aggie fans some confidence right there. I am gonna say I'm gonna pick UTEP to win it by uh, six points. I'm gonna say UTEP wins it um, 30 to 24. Um, but I'm ex- I, again, I'm I'm expecting a good game. I know me by no means am I married to that pick, but I will take UTEP to win 30 to 24. And Colin, I hope you know your score comes true and we do get like a high scoring game because trust me, I think we're all starved for football and it would be so mm-hmm. good to have like a week zero first game showdown between these two teams and it being like a high scoring affair. So that I'm definitely looking forward to this game. Uh, but Colin, uh, last question on, you know, college football. And that is, you know, giving, given the changing landscape of college football, the last few weeks with, you know, Oklahoma and Texas moving into the sec. And then yesterday you had the news that dropped that the PAC 12, the big 10 and the ACC are forming an alliance. Uh, first of all, you know, I want to get your thoughts on Oklahoma and Texas moving to the sec. I know you covered uh, Texas A&M for, I believe three years. Am I correct, Colin? Yes, that's right. Yes. All right, yeah, you covered uh, Texas A&M for three years. You covered them in the SEC. So what was your like your reaction and your thoughts on that uh, bombshell that dropped like a few months ago that Texas and Oklahoma were moving to the SEC? Uh, my initial reaction was that um, nothing was going to come of it. Uh, that was that was my – I thought it was just talk um, and that it, you know nothing was going to happen. Then I was amazed at how quickly it moved. Um, cause you know, you went from, I think it was a Wednesday. My good friend, Brent Zorneman is actually the one who broke the story that Texas and Oklahoma were in- interested. He breaks the story. Um, and the first thing that a- Texas A&M comes out and says is basically, you know, screw that. We don't want you guys. And we don't want you guys in the sec <laughs> fast forward. I think it would, and I think it was less than a week later or maybe, maybe just over a week later, Texas A&M and the SEC, they're all voting to have it's like all their boards of regents and all the you know directors are board are voted voted to have Texas and Oklahoma join the SEC. So it was very interesting how quickly that moved. Um, as far as my thoughts on on the move, I don't I don't know how I like it. Um, just because you know, as a as a as somebody who went to a Pac-12 school and and stuff and. and kind of have always rooted for, you know, for teams that don't get as much um, publicity as the SEC does. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think it's great for college football. I think it's going to uh, it's going to make it even more top heavy than it already is. I mean, you already have basically the same four teams playing for the, for the um, national championship every year. I mean, it's basically Clemson, Oklahoma, Alabama, and, you know, Ohio state. It's, ba- it's basically those four teams every year. And I don't, I just don't think that this really helps that. Um, and so I'm, you know, I, I it's going. It will be inter- It will be cool to see like Texas whenever it happens, whether it's f- you know four years down the road or if they're able to get the you know get it to the contract the the television contracts bought out to whatever the point where they're able to get it in like next year or the year after. I, I you know I will certainly tune in and I will watch Texas and Alabama. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm interested to see how they do because it's always been that argument between Big Twelve fans and and SEC fans over who has the better football between, 
you know, Alabama and Oklahoma and, and all that. So, and it's, it's really going to be an about face for big 12 fans who have always, you know, who have had, you know, have spouted, spouted off about how great the big 12 is and how you know, SEC is and is great. So it, it's certainly, it's certainly very interesting. Um, again, like I wasn't, I'm not like the biggest fan of it, but, um, I think, I think, uh, there certainly are some positives. Hopefully, um, it just doesn't dilute, um, college football for, the teams that aren't in the sec or aren't ranked in the top five every single year, um, more than it already is. So, um, I just, you know, that would be, that would be my hope is that it just, it just doesn't do that where it, you know, we, you come in and you have, you know, I guess, you know, 18 playoff with five sec teams. I think that's worst case scenario for college football. So, um, hopefully that doesn't happen, but only time will tell. So, yeah, Colin, I think, you know, I agree with you on your take on it because I said when this news first broke, first, I, I thought that it wasn't going to happen. I thought it was just all talk and then it just snowballed. And it like by the time uh, the next week hit, Texas and Oklahoma were in the SEC. But I thought I said that, you know, when this first came down, that it was like a Kevin Durant to Golden State move by the SEC. It was like the SEC flexing over everybody in college football, saying, hey, we got Texas and Oklahoma. And that conference is already, you know, huge. And it just became even bigger with those two giants in Texas and Oklahoma moving um, from the Big 12 to the SEC. And I really think that this is going to, like you said, you know, dilute the college football playoff. I, I have a feeling, a bad feeling that, you know, if we get that 12 team college football playoff that has been rumored that you might see like six of the 12 teams uh, be from the SEC. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think it's certainly possible. Um, and yeah, and it's just, you know, it's great for fans of the SEC. If you know, for you're a Georgia fan, Georgia fan, and you've been on the outside looking in a couple of years. I mean, you're probably pretty excited about it, but if you're an Oregon fan, if you're a, if you're a Iowa State fan, if you're a TCU fan, I mean that's the thing that is going to get lost. I mean these teams like Iowa State, TCU, Baylor, um, Oklahoma State that have been in the Big Twelve with Oklahoma and Texas for the last twenty five years. I mean that's going to be very interesting to see what they do. I I if I were them, I would push to be you know st- you know stay all together in the Big Twelve. Maybe you grab a University of Houston, Cincinnati, and SMU. Bring them to the Big Twelve. There's been some talk of like the eight, the American Athletic Conference trying to grab those guys, those you know those Big Twelve schools um, in the past. And I, I don't, I just don't see that as being feasible. I think, I think the move is to go grab, um, you know, Cincinnati, Houston, um, SMU. Shoot, maybe grab Boise State um, and bring that. You know, bring them into the Big Twelve. Um, those are, you know, obviously four, I guess, quote unquote, mid-major teams, yeah. um, but kind of sleeping giants. I mean, Houston, Houston is a huge recruiting base um, and kind of if they can get into a conference like the Big 12, I've said this for a long time. If Houston can get into a power five conference, they could they could be kind of like a, a new age universe, like the U, the way my, you know, the way that Miami kind of controlled recruiting in the city of Miami. Um Houston could be similar. So um, I think there, there's certainly some different options uh, for the Big 12 to go with that um, when this does happen. And, you know, the alliance with the Pac-12 and the ACC, I think that's going to be good too. It's going to – it's it's great for fans. You know, you'll get to see some matchups you don't normally see. And, um, yeah, I think that – I think it was a good move. So – 
Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to, you know, Ohio State, Oregon or Clemson versus Oregon that you typically don't see um, on a, you know, year in and year out basis. But tying the Aggies into this, Colin, uh, do you believe with all this shifting going on in college football and teams going from one conference to another, do you believe that, you know, New Mexico State will finally jump back into a conference given what's happened like the last few weeks in college football? Uh, I know that Mario Mocha, the athletic director, uh, would love nothing more than that. Um, he does not like wandering through the uh, college football desert as they are right now without a conference as a FBS independent. It's just a really, really, really hard way um, to, to operate. Um, that's what's made things even harder for them the last couple of years because, again, you're just you're having to go on the road and play, you know, your um, Alabamas and Kentuckys, but you're also having to go play some really – they play a lot of Mountain West teams. Um, and not, the Mountain West is no joke either as, as far as mid-majors go. I mean, that, there's some very good teams in that league. So um, it would just it would certainly behoove them um, to do that. As far as, like, what league they would jump into, it's, it's really hard to say right now. Um, I, I think, obviously, there's going to be some dominoes that fall for conference alignment before um, New Mexico State's even considered. So, we'll, you know, we'll see with that. But the other thing that – you have to look at down the line too, is that um, the WAC next year at Western athletic conference, they're bringing back football, um, mm. which they have not had in a while. Um, they're bring because they added a bunch of teams to the league. They added Sam Houston state, Stephen of Austin, Lamar, um, Southern, Southern Utah, Abilene Christian, all of which have pretty good football teams at the FCS level. So the WAC starting next year, will have an FCS football conference which um, in a couple of years could be good for New Mexico State. However, they will not be in the WAC, WAC football because um, they don't want to drop to FCS. That is a bit huge sticking point for Mario Mocha, the athletic director. He wants to remain FBS because the money that you can make as an FBS going and playing in Alabama, going and playing on the road at some of these big powerhouses is so much more than you can make at the FCS level. So um, – Dropping to FCS is not an option for them. It never, it never will be, at least, at least in the very near future. So I think what the Aggies are kind of waiting for now is either get invited to, you know, a Mountain West, a Conference USA, a Sun Belt, you know, re get reinvited to the Sun Belt. Um, maybe there's a brand new conference that we don't even know about that pops up that they would get with. Um, or, I mean, the other, the other thing too is the the WAC has said that they are. I, they're eyeing moving everybody up in football from the FCS level to the FBS level within five seasons. So if and when that happens, as I see it right now, like that's probably the best option for New Mexico State in rejoining a conference, but that's five years down the road. And as we saw um, when Texas and Oklahoma went to the SEC, the college football landscape can change in 16 minutes. So um, I don't want to say like, you know, Hands down, five years from now, you can book it. The Aggies are going to be in the whack because, you know, things just can change so quickly. So, Yeah, definitely for sure, Colin. Uh, Colin, before we let you go, i got one more question to ask you. And I know that uh, before the show, you told me that you were a Denver Broncos fan. So I got to ask you this question. You know, the big news surrounding the Broncos today was that uh, Teddy Bridgewater won the starting quarterback job for your Denver Broncos over Drew Locke. Um, you know, 
Colin, I, I'm a big Drew Locke fan, given, like, because last year I made this ridiculous prediction. Like, I, I drank the whole Drew Locke Kool-Aid, and I made this ridiculous prediction that probably made me sound worse than Skip Bayless live on air. And that was, I thought that Drew Locke was going to win MVP of the NFL. I, I thought that Drew Locke was going to win MVP. And that prediction did not make me look good at all. But what was your thoughts on, uh, do you think Vic Fangio made the right move by going to Teddy Bridgewater over Drew Locke? Or do you think that Fangio should have stayed with Drew Locke because he has like the higher ceiling? Um. I have not been one that I'm not someone who's ever been impressed with Drew Locke. I never really thought he was the answer. He did pretty well in a couple of meaningless games um, as a, you know, that first year he played. So I, I was just never sold on him. He never proved anything to me, at least in my mind that like he was, I mean, he was being billed as like this future potential star. And I just never saw it from him. Um, I also, you know, Bridgewater's obviously had some injury, some pretty bad injuries. Uh, he didn't have he didn't have a bad year last year though uh, when he played. Um, so I, I don't know. It's that's a tough one. I, I just don't think that there's like a right answer. I don't think either guy is great. I think it's going to be a lot like New Mexico State football <laughs> this year. I think I think at some point this year you're going to see Drew Lock play. Um, I just I don't think I don't think Teddy's a long term solution. Maybe he is, but. Uh, at no point in his career has he proven to be that yet. So uh, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm just kind of, I'm kind of indifferent. I'm not super high on either guy, but I was definitely not very high on Drew Locke. So I will uh, take maybe a change, a little change of scenery here, and hopefully Teddy can get it done. From your take, Colin, I'm guessing you're on the uh, I want Aaron Rodgers to Denver right now train. Is that correct? <laughs> I was very excited. Yeah, when those rumors came out on draft night, I was like, very, okay. We'll see. Yeah, that'd be pretty exciting if that happened. So I also say this too, like when they won the Super Bowl uh, in 2015, you know, I've been waiting my entire life for them to win a Super Bowl. Under, you know, obviously they won in 97 and 98, but I was, I was six years old and seven years old when that happened. So, I mean, I just I vaguely remember it. So I'd really kind of been waiting my entire life for them to win a Super Bowl that I would actually remember and be present for. Well, they did that in 2015. They won Super Bowl 50. So I have I, I haven't tuned out by any means on the Broncos, but uh, I will say um, I am sir, I'm definitely not as invested snap to snap. I mean, there there is time I would read every training camp report that was written about the Broncos, um, and I just I just don't do that anymore. I got you know I got a I got a I got a job job which is a big part of it, but I also like hey I was like yeah they won the Super Bowl okay we're good <laughs> you know what I mean so. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're talking to a guy whose team, uh, I'm a Niners fan, and my team has lost two Super Bowls that I've been in, and uh, I really want to get that number six ring. But, Colin, uh, could we get a record prediction for you from the Broncos this year? I think it's 17 games, if I'm not mistaken. 17 games, yeah. Let me go. We talking playoffs? I don't know. I'm going to say nine and eight. I think they're going to be mediocre. It's, it's not bad. 500, pretty good. But uh, Colin, uh, it was so much fun having you on the show, man. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here on Wild Sports Talk. Uh, where could the viewers uh, find some of your stuff uh, on, you know, social media and, uh, you know, social media and YouTube or whatever it's out there? Yeah, um, I would say, you know, most of my work, um, I'm huge on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Colin Deaver TV. 
Um, I also have a Facebook account, uh, Sports Counted. That's uh, Colin Deaver, KTSM Nine Sports. You can find me on both of those. Uh, be honest, I'm on, I'm on Twitter a, a lot more than I am on Facebook. So if you are trying to reach me, definitely hit me on Twitter. Um, and then our, uh, I would say go to our website, ktsm.com. You know, all of our work, all of my feature stories, that you know, reports, breaking news, anything like that, that gets posted to our our ktsm dot com website so go there go to find me on twitter colin deaver tv so all right sounds good go catch colin on twitter at colin deaver tv but colin it's been so much fun man uh thank you once again for joining us uh we wish you you know nothing but the best in your career moving forward and you know we definitely got to do this once again because it was a really really fun show having you on yeah i really appreciate you guys for reaching out and having me man anytime you want let's do it thank you All right. Sounds good. That is Colin Deaver from KTSM, folks. Uh, Thank you guys so much for tuning into our program. We will be back here on Wild Sports Talk uh, next week, Monday, uh, to talk, you know, more football, basketball and baseball with you guys. But until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you guys next Monday. Have a good night, everybody.